Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. They can't feel hated by the church because then I misrepresent Jesus, right? Jesus doesn't hate anybody. Uh, they can't come to us and feel like they hated me, they looked at me mean, they, they ran me off, they, they said mean stuff, they, you know, what in... I mean, I look at the people that Jesus went to in his culture. In his culture, you know, it was if you were sexually involved, you know, if you were a loose person, um, you were you were discarded by the culture. But guess who Jesus went to? He went to those. He had a heart for those people. So the church has to develop a heart for those people. But we have to tell them the truth, too. When the truth contradicts your choices or lifestyle, it can feel very offensive. No one likes being told they're wrong. But when you're choosing to live in destructive sin, you need to hear the truth. As Pastor Bill will explain in today's message, far too many Christians and even entire churches and denominations are opting to omit or alter the truth of Scripture to avoid offending anyone. That is not the loving thing to do when the truth you're omitting can save souls from spiritual destruction. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. When we think of idolatry, uh, many of us the images that may come up are people worshiping actual images or idols, a Buddha or some figurine or something like that, which was idolatry. Somebody worshiping something as God that's not God. In our culture, in our day, as in theirs, idolatry is anything that is on the throne of your heart that's not God. If that, if, if, and there are people here, some people, your kids could become your idols. Some people, your spouse could become your idols. Your family and your parents, your job and your stuff, your money and your things. Many things can be erected as idols. Some people are shining their idols this morning, their cars. They're out there getting the rims clean and getting everything done. Many things could be an idol. Idol is simply this, because Jesus died to be everything. He's to be on the throne of our hearts. Anything that we erect above him. I love this more than you. I love this so much I will sin against you in order to enjoy it. That's an idol. So we've all done it, but if it's your lifestyle, if you're an idolater, right? Everybody here, I'm sure in some way, shape, or form, you, you've caught yourself, oh, I put that, I got to put that back in its place. You got to put it back down. But if you live there, that's idolatry. You're not going to heaven like that. If, if something else is on the throne of your heart, you need to take it down and put it in its place. So fornicators, no idolaters, nor adulterers. We talked about this one last week. What's an adulterer? Adulterer is someone who is having sexual relations with someone that that's married. So either you're married and you're having sex outside of your marriage. That's adultery. Or you could be single having sex with a married person. That's adultery. It's it's violating the marriage covenant. So in either way. So it's that's adultery. That's why if, if someone is um, I've, I've heard of situations where someone is dating or someone or seeing someone that is in the midst of a divorce, which we'll talk about divorce next week. It's like you should be. They ain't, you know, that's not the way you can't do that. And then you mess around and have you're an adulterer now. You're having sex with somebody that's married. That's adultery. There's a whole lot more I can say on that, but that's the bottom line. It's, 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 it's a breaking of the marriage covenant. God, in the marriage covenant, one thing that you've agreed to is that, and it's, it's an agreement between a husband and wife and God, that there won't be anybody else in this. This is, this is for the rest of your life, this is the person that you can be intimate with. That's it. And so you don't break your covenant and you don't break someone else's or, or involve yourself. That's adultery. And, and God takes it very serious. We live in a culture today that looks at the marriage covenant like eh, it just didn't work out. They got to start getting on my nerve. I fell out of love. La, la, la. And it's just easy come, easy go. 
um, that's not how God sees it. It's not how God sees it. And marriage is still a covenant between a man, a woman, and God. So when you break that covenant's adultery, someone living like that ain't going to heaven. You got to repent. Can't, you can't, can't stay there. Nor adulterers, nor homosexuals. Uh, again, a hot topic in our culture. Um, our culture is, is try to make, you know, homosexual relationships equal with the marriage relationships. Um, God says no homosexual. You, you, if you live a homosexual lifestyle, um, you won't inherit the kingdom. Now, I understand this. And I try to be careful because in one sense, there's a part of the church that is uh, buckling to the world in terms of accepting this as OK. And again, misleading people. So you could be a homosexual Christian. You know, you can't be a homosexual Christian. You can't be a home. You can't be a, a heterosexual fornicating Christian. Neither can you be a homosexual Christian. The issue is that lifestyle itself is a sin. So now I understand this, that there are people who are there are people that I've ministered to that are in, that are involved with homosexuality, struggling with it, that were abused and quite. I mean, Honestly, quite a few of the, at least the males that I have ministered to that come, you know, they end up being homosexual and you minister to them and you find out, well, where, where did this all begin? Um, not every single one, but a very high percentage of them are boys as some of them were boys that even before they were having any sexual experience, somebody, uh, somebody assaulted them and, and that was done to them. And so in one sense, you know, I, I would hate to be the man that's merciless in terms of and no one ever ministered to that need. No one ever ministered to them, uh, helped them. Uh, many times they've gone and told and nobody, nobody got involved, nobody helped out. And so in one sense, you have a victim. Um, but as time goes on and you begin to make your own choices and choose to live a certain way, I understand where the confusion came from. But now you're, you're intentionally sinning. And so that needs to be repented of. And so what happens in the church is one of two things. We either say, you know, how could you be so mean to them? Just let them be. It's, it's, it's their choice who they love. That's not helping them. That's leaving them lost. And the other end of it is over here where you, people act like they, they, they dang near hate them and are disgusted by them. And it's like, but that's not Jesus either. So Jesus is right here, right here, where it's like, hey, I love you, but that's a sin. Would you bring it to me? He can cleanse you. He can forgive you. and He can give you power to overcome it. That's the message that we need to be giving to the world. They can't feel hated by the church because then I misrepresent Jesus, right? Jesus doesn't hate anybody. Uh, they can't come to us and feel like they hated me. They looked at me mean. They, they ran me off. They, they said mean stuff. They, you know, well then, I mean, I look at the people that Jesus went to in his culture. In his culture, you know, it was if you were sexually involved, you know, if you were a loose person, um, you were you were discarded by the culture, but guess who Jesus went to? He went to those. He had a heart for those people. So the church has to develop a heart for those people. But we have to tell them the truth too, um, and that's the bottom line. So here he says, "Hey, nor homosexual. If you live in a homosexual lifestyle, you want to inherit the kingdom. It's also something that needs to be repented of, and look to the Lord to help you to overcome and have victory. Nor sodomites. Um, someone might say, "Well, why you know homosexual and then sodomites aren't that the same thing? It's a little different." Obviously, sodomite is it's, 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 uh, it's the actual, um, um, well, it, it's, 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 it's describing the actual sort of intercourse. So a sodomite, a male intercourse and, and someone's rear end, that's sodomy. Um, homosexual can be two, it's the same, sexual. So it could be two women or two men. The Bible's just being clear. 
It, homosexual, that could be two women, it could be two men, two people of the same gender, homo, the same, coming together in a sexual way, that's a sin. Here it's saying just this act, that behavior, that's a sin. And so someone that's behaving that way, living that as a lifestyle. Now it goes on to some other things, nor thieves. So if you live a lifestyle as a thief, um, you make your living ripping people off. Um, God says you're not inherit the kingdom, you have to repent of that. Nor covetous. Um, that's people that just are, are coveting other people's things, coveting things that you don't have, that don't belong to you. You're discontented with what God has given you. And for some people, that's their lifestyle. They spend their entire life just wanting more stuff, more things, um, never satisfied in God. They just want, I'll be happy when I get that, when I get that, and when I get that, it's a covetous person. Um, nor drunkards, um, that, that's a whole, shouldn't even be a debate, but it's a whole debate within the church today where as far as Christians and alcohol. So, a drunkard is someone that's an alcoholic, right? If someone's an alcoholic, they can't inherit the kingdom. Um, this used to really trouble me because um, you guys, you guys know my mother for years struggled with alcoholism. And me being a Christian, when I got saved, I would witness to her, share with her. I would take her to stuff. And she, my mom would go forward at different things and at different times have a response. And But then she would end up going back. And I would see her fall back into a pattern of alcoholism. And so... I knew according to this and Galatians 5 that, man, you uh, no drunkard can inherit the kingdom. And so I'm like, I know there was a profession and an acknowledgement, but it was never a follow through with a lifestyle. So I was still concerned. Um, eventually, my mom would go into a women's home and give her life to the Lord there. And one of the fruits of that was that there was then there was there were definitely, you know, she, she broke away from it. Um, and if she would fall, she would get back up. She didn't stay in a pattern of it. And so, but, but far as alcohol, and I, I just have to say like our stance of the church is it's, I don't ever want to go beyond the scriptures, right? The Bible does not say it's a sin for a Christian to drink alcohol. It doesn't say that. I would be wrong to say that it did. It doesn't say it's wrong to have a cup of wine or whatever. It just doesn't say that. It says it's wrong to get drunk. The problem is this, like at what point are you drunk? Right. Everybody, def everybody defines that difference. So I'm gonna help you out. Some people say, well, I just got a little buzz. That's 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 what the Bible says is that's drunk. At, at, at whatever point alcohol impairs you in any way, you're drunk. We think drunk is, you know, just sloppy, falling all down and you can't stand up. When the Bible says when you're addicted to that buzz, right. Brother, just little buzz. I know I can hold my liquor. You got three beers. I'm good. I can still walk straight, drive, and play tic-tac-toe. You know, whatever. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, it's, it's, it's at the point at which it's impaired you. Um, no longer you in a place where the Spirit of God is in control. Uh, it's filling you. That's where in Ephesians, Paul says, I'd rather you be filled with the Spirit than be drunk with wine. Because they have the same impact. They fill you and empower you to do things that you either should or shouldn't do. Right? So, the, so it's at that point. So when people are playing around with it, it's like, well, at what point? Right? At what point are you buzzed? By the time you're buzzed, guess what? You're buzzed. It's done. You know, you've already went there. Um, now we know that alcohol is addictive. So some people are like, you know, does anybody plan to become an addict to alcohol? <laughs> Nobody plans. Nobody has a drink and say, you know, I plan to become addicted to this one day and ruin my life. Nobody plans that. It just happens. Um, because it has it, it has the potential to bring you into bondage, which we'll see in verse 12. We'll talk about that as he tells us how to handle our liberties. So we say this for those that serve here. We say, I can't tell you it's a sin to have a drink. It's it's a liberty that we ask that you lay down. 
right? I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I can have a beer. I bet many of you guys, if you walked into Chili's and saw me having a, a beer, would not be blessed by it. You walked in with your kids and your family. Hey, Pastor Bill. Hey, what's up? How y'all doing, man? You know what I'm saying? Hey, I, I think it would stumble. So I think some people would see it and be like, well, shoot. If he can have a beer, I'm a, give me a six pack, you know. If he can have one, I can have six, you know. So, and I used to be an alcoholic, right? For those reasons, the wisdom call for me is, I know it's not a sin, but I don't see any benefit either. So, the one way I guarantee that I never get drunk again, don't drink. I tell people, how do you guarantee that you won't become a crack addict? <laughs> don't smoke it, right? How you, how you guarantee you won't become addicted to cigarettes? Don't smoke it. How you guarantee you won't become an alcoholic? Leave it alone. I mean, we don't live in this era either. I mean, if you want something bubbly with your drink, you got a lot of options. If I want something that tastes, you got, I got a million options before alcohol. If it's about, I just the taste. I've acquired taste, you know. So anyway, no drunkard will inherit the kingdom. So uh, I, I encourage, I think the wisdom call for the believer is leave it be. Um, again, I don't say that it's a sin too. I'm not putting judgment on someone that has one or expresses that liberty. Um, but I would say, right, if, if, if this, these people are not going to go to heaven because they're addicted to alcohol. And if they had just left it alone, they wouldn't be here. So I would say the wisdom call is to leave it alone. Amen. Some people want to see how close they can get to the edge. And, and be okay. And I think that's stupid. Um, if I know the edge is here, what I want to do is be over here. Um, if I know the edge that if I fall off this edge, I'm going down is here. Well, I don't want to be right up on it and see, can I, can I, can I, that's stupid. That's, anybody did that, but you would say, that's dumb. Why would you do that? Get on over here. So you, we, you safe from falling. You know, I don't want you even looking like you might be falling all the time. Come over here in the safety. So as a pastor to you guys, that's the wisdom call. Uh, I encourage you guys, leave it alone. Stay away from it. Um, in all the years of ministry, in all the years, I've never seen one good thing come out of alcohol. I can't tell you how many people have cheated, have crashed cars. Among us here had one bad night, one bad decision, had a couple drinks, didn't think they were impaired, banged somebody's car in the parking lot, got a DUI and almost lost a job and blah, blah, blah. And, and they had court believers. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm watching it over the years. I can't tell you one good thing that's come from it. Not one. So because of that, I'm saying leave it be. Don't mess with it. Don't go there. Amen. It's because I love y'all. I love you. So uh, moving on. No drunkards, no revilers. You're a fighter. You like fighting people here. You like stirring up stuff. You like getting in people's face. I know some of y'all here. Y'all out here. Y'all parking lot warriors, uh, you know. Revilers, they're people that that's just their nature. They, they go around looking, they love they always tightly wound. Somebody cut them off in the freeway and they got birds going up and everything else. We don't do that. That, 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 that sort of that's a person that's just expressing and living after the flesh. Um, God says, when live like that, it's not going to inherit the kingdom. An extortioner, that's someone taking advantage of other people for gain. Um, so that can happen in many different ways, but there you're abusing your authority or taking advantage of people to benefit from them, to gain from them. And he, he mentions all these things to say none of these people will inherit the kingdom. So here, Paul is speaking to this Corinthian church. He began the statement with, do you not know? You guys should know that you can't live like this as saints, as citizens of the kingdom of God. You can't go on living like this. Now, to each one of those things that I mentioned, it is possible that a Christian could struggle. 
right? Whatever you came out of before you got saved, it is quite possible that as a Christian, you may struggle. If you come from a background of substance abuse and you get saved and, and, and you walked away from it, um, it's, it's possible that you'd be tempted at times and you'd struggle with that because those are doors that your flesh opened up. And God will give you the victory, but it's possible that I don't want people condemned because there's a struggle. Um, there are people that maybe used to do whatever you used to do. Um, it's possible if you used to have a bad habit, you used to be a fighter. That might be your knee jerk when something goes wrong and somebody starts, your, 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 your flesh might tell you, just sock him, sock him, just sock him. That'll fix everything if you just sock him. You know, that's because that's how you were, right? We're all different. Um, I, I realized when I got saved, me and I got together with my wife, there were instances where we go somewhere and I didn't want to be somewhere where alcohol was because it was still a temptation to me. I didn't want to drink. I didn't want to fall, but I was like, I don't want to be around it either. And for her, she's like, it just it stinks to me anyway. Like, it stinks. It's smelling great to me right now. You know, <laughs> she is, her, she never was given over to that. So for her, it just nothing attractive about it. Um, but to me, I'm like, I need to get up out of here. You know, I don't need, I don't need to be sitting around this very long, you know. And we do need to know where where that is for all of us, because um, we can battle with things. And the battle and I tell people this, the battle is a sign of spiritual life. When you weren't born again, you didn't battle with sin. You were given over to it. As a believer, you're going to fight battle and hopefully overcome by by with God's help and by his Holy Spirit, overcome those things that used to hold you captive. Uh, but you can't be given over to sin and expect that I'm still saved. Wow, saved from what were you saved from? Like one of the evidences that we look for in a, in a life of a redeemed person is that, that, that there's there's God doesn't just it's not just a, it's a spiritual thing. But God, I save you. I come take over. I move inside you. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. You can't be the same. You can't be the same. You can't have God move in and nothing changed ever. Actually, he maybe he didn't move in. You know, some of y'all know people that really are clean. Right. If you take somebody that's really clean, you know, a guy that maybe was in the military and he just everything's folded nice and neat. That's just he can't stand disorder and mess. Bring them into someone's house that's messy. It's going to be clean. Uh, it used to be people that would come to our house and and they just couldn't stand to see dishes. And they would just go in and they, they, they're doing the dishes. <laughs> then they have them over. Can you have them come over regularly? You know, like they just would go in there and start cleaning stuff and do it. It's just who they are. You know, the stuff's going to be clean before they leave. That's who they is. If God moves in, you can't be the same. He's going to clean up some stuff. He's going to start kicking out stuff and revealing things, give you new desires and new passions. And you realize that God is just not up there saying, don't do, don't do, don't do. God is saying, let's clean that up and stop that because I got something for you to do that you can't do while you're doing that. And for some people, as they're clinging to the junk over here, they never become what God saved them to be. They're over here holding on to the old life instead of letting it go and saying, God, here, have me, have my have all of me and, and getting getting in touch with what God, what he saved me for. If you're saved, that's one of the things we go through in the discipleship. We look at what salvation is, what you're saved from. And the last thing we go through on the, the salvation section is what you're saved for. You know, I, I would say from. Two, but I've been saved four, and it's so important that we get there. I haven't, God didn't just tell me, Bill, stop fornicating, stop getting drunk, stop this. So I stopped everything, and then now I'm just, I'm just sitting in the middle, sitting, no, because now I got a wife for you, I got a ministry for you, and I got a purpose and a calling, and all these things, and none of these things work with that. And so for anybody here holding on, consider what you're missing out on as you hold on to the junk. As you hold on to the junk, you cannot have what he intends to give you. Uh, he needs you to let it go so he can do what he desires to do in your life.
And if we trust that we believe that God is really good and that God really loves us and he really has our best interests and he really knows everything, it should be really easy to let go of the things that he says no, that we might receive the things that he has for us. Amen. And so moving forward, now look at verse 11. And I love this verse. You should highlight it, underline it, mark it in your Bible. Uh, I love this verse. It says this. And such were, as he's going through this whole list of things that you can't inherit the kingdom, fornicators, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, drunkards, extortioners, all these things. He says, and such were some of you. Some of you that I'm taught, that's what you used to be. Such were some of you, but, and I want you to get the order. and We're going to talk about it. You were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified. In the name of our Lord Jesus, by the spirit of our God. So he says, look, such were some of you. Some of you were fornicators. Some of you were adulterers. Some of you were homosexuals. Some of you were drunkards and extortioners and idolaters. And some of you were all these things. He says, but this is what we should be looking for in the life of believers. Look what it says. First, but you were washed. Believers, what are we washed in? The blood of Jesus that washes away our sins, that cleanses us. Right. As we believe, as we look to the cross and say, Jesus died on the cross for me. He took my sins upon himself. The gospel That's why the gospel is good news. If the gospel was just stop doing this, stop doing this and stop doing that, that wouldn't be good news. The gospel is this. Right. All that stuff you've done. Violation of God's commandment, God's law. If you die like that, you'll go to hell. But God loves you so much that he said, I'll take all your sins. He took all of it upon himself. And when he went to the cross, he went to the cross with your sins, my sins on his back. And he was beaten, humiliated, shamed, hung on the cross to pay the penalty for all our sins, right? And as we are taken to the cross and we look at what he did, it's from that place, God said, look, such for some of you, right? You used to be these things, but you were washed. I washed you. Jesus washed us. And this is, the, this is, the, this is an amazing thing for every believer, Right? As he washed me, I'm no longer under the guilt and shame of what I used to be. I don't deny what I used to be, and I don't deny my testimony. I don't deny the things I've done, but I've been washed, right? I'm no longer dirty in God's sight. Now, it might take people a while to catch up, but as far as God is concerned, I've been washed. And everybody here, whatever your past may have been, when you come to Christ, God says, you're washed, Right. Your sins, as far as God is concerned, as far as the east is from the west, they won't be remembered anymore. God's not going to bring it up in another conversation. They're gone. You are washed. That's what Jesus did for everybody that believes in him. Washed us. Notice he doesn't stop there. Right. We don't just get washed after we've been washed. And he says sanctify. What is that? That's a process for the rest of your life as a believer. The sanctification process is God bringing us forward in our walk. And this is the step that people, I think, that are not saved, that maybe have had some church experience, fail to realize that if this isn't happening, you might not be, you know, saved. Now, I hate that some churches say, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and we can make it mean something else. This is what sanctification is. It's growing in holiness. It's God on the inside. It's The sanctified is actually being set apart by God for God. He does that from the inside out. God says, I'm set you apart. You belong to me now. And as he moves inside you by way of the Holy Spirit, God, because you're his and he's sanctifying you, it's a process. And this is how it works. You can say God moves in and you begin to be convicted about things you used to didn't be convicted about. Um, and I've shared with you guys so many times my testimony, but God will convict you. And now the conviction will cause you to feel about your sin the way God feels. This thing that I used to love, 
Now as I think about doing it or I fail and do it, I'm miserable about it. And now I hate it at a point. And God says, great, now you feel about it the way I feel about it. Now you'll finally bring it to me and repent of it. And it'll happen over and over again where you'll begin to be just, man, I'm sick of that thing. I hate that thing that I do. And God's like, yes, I hate it too. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there, and so he felt compelled to write a direct letter to address the things that were happening among the believers there. The things he wrote about showed that there were problems in the church then, just like there are issues in churches today. Even among believers, there are real sin issues that can derail an entire church if those areas aren't dealt with. Are there areas in your life today that you know need to be addressed? If you need someone to talk to or to pray with, we're here and are ready to answer your call or text. Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We're so glad you tuned in to A Transforming Word. We'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday. And you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. There, you'll also be able to learn more about this ministry and listen to additional teachings from Pastor Bill. Again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Bill continues to teach through 1 Corinthians. We look forward to another edition of A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.